0: What, are we going to get canceled? What, is the network
1: can to cancel us? That's it. We're, we're done. Dead. We're all we're
2: all dead. We're done. Hey, guys. You ready, you ready to record? No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: oh, man. That's great. Oh, Brett. In three days when Brett gets indicted for tax
0: fraud, we're all just like, oh. He was trying to tell us something.
3: And welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer. I'm Brett Fortnum here with Kevin O'Keefe, Joe Shell, and Cloyne Lerner. It, it, it's Cloyne. That that that's what the the note here says. Is that yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's what
0: it says on my uh,
3: birth certificate. It's Cloyne. Okay, okay. Yeah. We have quite a bit to talk about. We've it's been two weeks now since we've last spoken with you all, and Syracuse laid an egg in Pittsburgh, and then came home to the dome, and I think surprised everybody by playing relatively well and beating Georgia Tech, a team I personally detest based on certain memories from 2013. So what was the difference? What did you guys see between the Pittsburgh game and the Georgia Tech game that led to two very different football teams showing up?
2: Oh, we saw a, a freshman quarterback and a much less talented team in Georgia Tech. I guess they lost their their previous game to Central Florida. And they thought that that was because Central Florida is much more of a powerhouse than we are and thought they would have been more evenly matched. But it turned out that we're not quite as much of a cupcake as many, including myself, thought. I, mean, I wouldn't say we rolled over them, but, you know, we, we, we outplayed them and caused five turnovers. We, we made a, a young quarterback make a lot of mistakes uh, and we took advantage of those mistakes largely. Um, so, I mean, all in all, I think it was a win. I think there's, there's, some, there's some, some negatives we could focus on, but, uh, but, but overall I was impressed with, with Tommy. The emergence of, of, of Sean Tucker is, is definitely encouraging. Um, I was a little bit surprised that we got out snapped so significantly. I mean, we just I, – I guess Dino is kind of moving away from the, the hurry up you know, high-powered, high-tempo offense that we came to know and love back, you know, mainly from 2018 that was so effective. Um, But it might just be that Tommy is more of a normal pace, you know, 60 or so snaps a game kind of quarterback. I will be completely honest. I didn't even know who Sean Tucker was on opening day. So so I think that's got to be an advantage, and I hope to see good things from him going forward.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a few things that kind of came together simultaneously against Georgia Tech that that kind of all worked together to make the offense look a little more competent. Um, first things, obviously, Sean Tucker, because even on his early runs, he was getting hit early, but he was fighting through contact, gaining a few extra yards, Where whereas Jawar Jordan was kind of just getting hit two yards deep in the backfield and going down. Tucker was gaining two, three yards, and then he was building on those runs. That allowed the passing game to open up a little bit and Tommy didn't need a ton of time but all it was was that extra split second to make that extra read and that allowed to him that allowed him to settle in, start connecting on his throws being on the same page as his receivers a little better and eventually able to connect on a couple deep ones and obviously the offensive line played better against a weaker opponent so hopefully we can we can build on that Um, Georgia Tech's defensive line isn't anything like Pittsburgh, which I think is part of the the difference, but all it took was the offensive line settling in a little bit, giving Tommy a little extra time, the wide set receivers getting a little more time to run their route, and obviously an actual running game to open things up. And you love to see Tommy connect on those two deep balls because that's that's what we have them for, and that's what we're looking for.
2: Yeah, if you look at that that third quarter touchdown they threw to Tristan Jackson, that was a Beautiful throw on a he couple. He? Who? Hey, he's not playing for the Rams, dude. Didn't yeah, he he,
1: yeah, Tristan Jackson's who on might, the Rams. No, Harris, or who, who, who caught the touchdown in the third quarter? I think it was Nikeem Johnson, the yeah. one you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, um,
2: Johnson. I, Either way, he, he stepped up uh, in the pocket and kind of alleviated some of the concerns I have with Tommy about not wanting to get hit and being a little bit fragile. He, he showed more Presence and composure in the pocket for sure than what I'm used to.
0: I think I went into this game with incredibly low expectations. I think that it's not a stretch to say that if we lose to uh, Georgia Tech, you know, we're 0 go- oh oh 4 going into the uh, a Duke game, we could possibly lose that one. Oh, and then people are starting to talk about, you know, Dino's job. Um, I think at this point, we were kind of able to. I'm hesitant to say that it looked like we're a team that's kind of settling in. That is kind of what it looked like. It looked like we faced two superior uh, opponents in the first two weeks, and um, that this is about where we are. We're about a middle-level ACC team. So I uh, second what you say about uh, Tommy, and I'm cautiously optimistic moving forward, which is not something that I you know would have said going into this game. So um, I am very, very, very pleased. I'm, I'm curious,
1: Brett, as a, a little more skeptical of tommy thus far what what did you think of of how he played was that enough to give you hope that he can build on what he's doing and perform a little better or was it not quite enough to move the needle for you at all
3: well given that neil was on nearly empty i will say it, it moved the needle um i didn't find him where
2: you're inflating and deflating needles now <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's the only way to win the afc east i guess I don't know. So, I was happy. I mean, he he had some great deep throws, um, which I liked. I still thought it took him a little too long to get rid of the ball in spots and that he wasn't necessarily making his progressions. And when you look at most of the, the great throws he had, especially the long ball, it was almost always certainly his first option. So... I, I didn't see the growth in the areas I think we really need to see it in terms of you know being able to check down a little bit better and get rid of the ball when you have to. The accuracy w- w- was nicer. I mean, he's, he, he's playing like we are a middle-to-low-tier to ACC team. Um, you look at his stat line, his stat line was okay-ish. It didn't, you know, it's not going to bowl anyone over. But you know what what I was happiest about with that game was the running game because the running game is going to be Tommy's best friend and that's obviously something that he can't necessarily control but it does give him another second in the pocket which he needs and it gives him it, it takes the burden off him and it's not fair on any quarterback to say you're the only way that we're going to gain yards and having Tucker have, having such a phenomenal game I thought really meant something and it hopefully we continue to see improvements on the offensive line um so Tommy can feel more comfortable making those progressions we need to see yeah oh
1: those are all all fair points but I do want to point out I'm pretty sure on the first touchdown to Taj Harris uh Tommy was reading the field to the left and then looked to the right and immediately released it to Harris so at least that is one example of him going to at least a second read and connecting on it. I don't know that our offense is really set up right now for the quarterback to have time to make too many reads. I think it was just nice to see him connect early before he got hit 11.5 times in the game. But I, I think Sean Tucker based on just the eye test, it, it looked pretty real. Like it didn't look like a kid having a fluky game or just running into some luck. Like, He looked like a powerful runner who was hitting the gaps quick and taking what they were giving him. And he looks fast enough, and he looks really strong. I think he looks for real. So I'm curious what you guys think of that. I think that's what what
2: Dino said after the game just mirrors my thoughts, which is he said we like running backs and, and players, ball carriers, who get hit at the 20 and they go down at the 25, 26. Uh, I think that's what he looked like on Saturday. I mean, he was he was going that extra yard. he was he was he was carrying defenders uh, a little bit more, getting a little bit more push than you have been seeing out of the other two running backs thus far, although it's a small sample size, so so who the hell knows, but I mean, I, I like what I saw out of him. And I mean, to get twenty two carries as a freshman, that either shows that we have a whole lot of promise and then faith in him or we are <laughs> desperate for someone that can. Uh, run between the tackles and, and play the running back position the way that uh, our original two running backs were, were going to play it. And sadly we don't have access to them.
3: Well, we we are, we are a little bit desperate to find someone who can run between the tackles, but I like to think that Tucker did um, separate himself from uh, the competition. It, at least he did on Saturday. I, I can't speak to anything that happened in practice, obviously, but what impressed me the most wasn't the breakout runs. It was, and I think, Joe, Joe, you mentioned this, it was he was getting small chunks every time he touched the ball. He wasn't just getting um, stopped up at the line of scrimmage. He was getting two and three yards and stuff like that. Versus the first two games, we had no running game to speak of. So, I mean, I, I think that's it's more than just Tucker because you do have to give credit where credit's due, and the offensive line is a huge part of the running game. And we just saw everything get a little bit better on Saturday than it's been. Um, but I think the largest improvements was the running game and the offensive line. And if we can continue to see that type of growth, maybe we get to five wins, possibly even six, even though I'm still very skeptical. But I'm on the record as going for six, so let's let's go for six.
2: Well, the... the... So the the defense gets away with it, right? Because they forced five turnovers, and you can't knock them for anything too hard. But they ran down our throats, and the only difference between our offense and theirs is that we put points on the board, and they didn't. They moved the ball every bit as effectively. Actually, I think they they had more total yards than we did. But you know, them being such a young team and with a a freshman quarterback, they committed more penalties. They committed more turnovers. They they you know kind of teed up a couple uh, for us and just gave away free points. But I think they ran for a total of 275 yards, which is concerning to say the least.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I think that's the negative way to look at it though. Um, I think that the positive way to look at it is, you know, in the last two weeks we were looking like the young team who wasn't putting points on the board for, for turnovers, who was, you know, rushing throws as you hate, you know, on like a fourth and 10 to throw the ball out of balance instead of just taking a shot, you know, down the field. Um, I think that we, for the first time all season, looked like the more mature, more seasoned, more calm team. And I think that that is a uh, positive to look at it. I think, sure, you could say that Georgia Tech's a weaker opponent and, you know, they they look more scared. But I think that we look like a more, uh, you know, well-rounded uh, team. And for the first time, I was having kind of flashbacks to the Zaire Franklin defenses where I had faith that they were going to stop when it was necessary. They did give up a lot of yards on the ground. That's 100% true. But when they needed a big play, they were there um, and without probably our top uh, defensive back. So um, I think overall we we looked like a more well-rounded, positive uh, season team. A
1: couple hours after the game, I got a phone call from Matt Pfeiffer that probably lasted about a half an hour exclusively talking about the game. And at one point I said to him pretty much that if the defense is going to bend and give up a lot of yards on the ground, but produce five turnovers, I'll probably take that in most games this year. And that probably still puts us in a pretty good spot. As long as the offense can move the ball a little bit, five turnovers is a lot. And obviously they're not going to do that every game, but I would trade off giving up some yards and going, but a lot of the Scott Schaefer defenses were bend, but don't break defenses. They gave up a lot of yards, but, like you said they made the big stop when you needed it or they made they were hard nosed
3: defenses mm. yeah
1: okay yeah. we got to throw out the the hashtag brand <laughs> New York's college team slogans but yeah they you know they they made the stop when you needed it like Colin said or you know you got the turnover when you needed it even though the the stats may not have been pretty at the end you might give up a lot of yards and I don't think it's any secret we've struggled against the run this year, but what what has been reassuring to me is the unit that we thought would be the weakest, the young linebackers have been all over the field making big plays. They're usually the guys in the backfield cuz the way this uh, defense works, you only have three down linemen most plays and they're just taking up space. So you don't really see Josh Black or McKinley Williams getting the sacks, but they're putting the pressure on, taking up a couple of guys themselves, giving the linebackers Lanes to get into the backfield, making the tackle for loss, making the sack. I've been really impressed with Michael Jones. He's not a huge guy, but he's been fast and he's a good tackler, which it drives me crazy when we have kids on our defense that just run and try to shoulder tackle without wrapping everyone up. The linebackers have been tackling. I want to name Michael Jones, Jeff Cantonarcu, and uh, Linton. Linton was all over the field too. They've been playing really well. So like the down linemen aren't really coming up with the sacks. Josh Black had the pick though because he was in the backfield being disruptive. The only sack in the game, I believe, was from Cody Roscoe, who Kevin always talks about wanting to see get more involved. So he's he's been playing really well, cycling in on on the pass rush.
2: Well, oh, it's good to good to hear that Matt's alive. I, I must have had my phone on silent on Saturday. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know, sorry Matt, if you tried to call me and you know, I uh, I'm available. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to ask, does anyone know uh, what's going on with Andre Sisco? Is he going to play on Saturday? I haven't heard an update since he wasn't I playing. I haven't he heard, heard it. A thing. He, was like a we- he, he got injured during pre-game warm-ups?
3: Someone ran into him. Someone ran yeah. into him in warm-ups. A fourth-string is-
1: wide, fourth wide receiver mm-hmm. ran into the best player on the team. How does Ooh. that happen?
0: Is that more or less strange than um, – Who's uh, who's the guy who just got his uh, uh, lung punctured? Uh, uh, Tyrod, Tyrod, Tyrod. 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 Yeah, Tyrod. yeah. The, char- the Chargers, yeah. Which um, one is more
3: strange? Not as strange as getting your lung punctured when you're just trying to get a Corazon shot in your ribs. Yeah. I'd agree.
2: I think it's more strange to have our best player by far <laughs> <laughs> injured in pregame warm-ups compared to Tyrod, who's like, I don't know, I don't want to... I mean, Brett's the Bills expert here, but I think Tyrod's replaceable, as we've seen with... What Herbert, Herbert, or whatever? Yeah. yeah so
1: Tyrod Taylor always proves to be replaceable without being bad. Yeah. He always does his job, plays pretty well, and then gets replaced somehow by a younger guy who just lights it up.
3: He's basically the definition of replacement level player. Which <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> no, he's kind of he's he's, that he's a shade above replacement that. level.
1: He's a shade
3: above replacement
1: level. He does the job. He plays. He produces. Um. But uh, this isn't an NFL podcast. uh, Yeah.
3: There's one thing you guys haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. ATC defensive player of the week. And that's Trill Williams, who Mm. um, got the interception. And when he was running toward the end zone, I'm just like, I'm wishing I could in some way fast forward because it was clear he was never going to get there. And then he gets the touchdown on the lateral, which when I saw it happen, I just screamed, oh no. And it, Turned out and he got the touchdown and I'm happy. But if he never if we never lateral on defense again, I'm gonna be okay. But did everyone see the backstory to that? There's no, a backstory really to this. Oh, okay, uh, please J- tell me.
1: Jihad Carter, who made the interception, and Trill Williams are roommates. And they have joked about doing this exact play on multiple occasions because they both know that Trill Williams is a playmaker with the ball in his hands. So Trill always tells him, he's like, if you get a pick and you're getting wrapped up, you, you flip it to me and I'll go the rest of the way. That so... is
0: great and hysterical, and this is not Madden in your dorm room. Um, <laughs> and I don't care. Uh, I refuse to accept that that was a good play. I'm glad it worked out, but I will go down to my grave
3: saying that that was the wrong play. Please don't ever do that again. I mean, how many times have we joked about doing something? And have never done it because we're not as terrible as we as many of the things we say. I mean, I don't want to do half the stuff we joke about doing.
0: You're also not the starting cornerback on the Syracuse football team, which you know We joked about starting a
1: podcast about Syracuse football a few years ago. That is true.
3: Yeah, look how that turned out.
1: Poorly. Collins here. Man, I like a C minus. So uh, on the horizon, good news. Uh, it looks like Duke is really bad, and Duke we Liberty Liberty's is probably not very good either. Um,
3: so, right, but we're gonna get COVID from Liberty.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't know that game. It looks like that game's gonna happen. Unfortunately, I know we're all against it. We've all we've all been on the record as hating the very <laughs> idea of this game. Some more than others. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe. Uh, but I just want to look at what Duke's offense has done this year and ponder whether they will score any points against us. They have two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. We're probably not much better than that though. Probably they're Owen. They're Owen three. I mean, they've played Virginia and they've played Notre Dame. So they've been playing some, some pretty good teams. Let's look at their total offense in 200. In 216 plays, they have just barely gained 1,000 yards. So I I question whether we will need to score very many points to beat Duke.
0: Yeah, um, I think it should, should, now listen, should we lost to LeMoyne years ago. It should be a win. Um, What I was going to say is um, I just, in reading up on this game, what I have heard coming out of the Duke camp is that it looks as though Duke has quit, and their effort has not been there in the first few weeks of the season. That's what they're saying. So um, it's the worst kind of bad, where they know yes, how bad exactly. they are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that speaking about our defense, uh, we now lead. We're now number one in the country in picks in um, uh, turnover. I think turnovers of in general. I think turnover. I think
1: just collective turnovers in general. Mm-hmm. We're also yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and I think that that kind of defense is a one that leads teams to quit. If they come out and throw three picks in the first quarter, I think that this game could be over by you know midway through the second. I think you know what—that's
1: that's something I always love about Syracuse football—is they very rarely know how
2: bad they are. Yes, I agree, a hundred percent. They always play hard. Well, I mean, we, we what. That's a great thing, and it's always frustrating that it just mm. seems like we always play down to our opponents oh, and really.
1: to our opponents. I think the biggest Syracuse football moment that
2: – not not the most important, but
1: the, the one that most epitomizes who we are is when the team, like, carried Scott Schaefer off the field <laughs> after the third win of the season, and he was already fired because they beat a terrible Boston College team on a field goal. Yeah, oh,
2: man. Yeah. And speaking uh, of yeah. Scott Schaefer, I think instead of when you mentioned Lemoyne, I think you were talking about Middle Tennessee State. I was talking <laughs> about basketball. Um, oh, you're talking basketball. Yeah, yeah that I was talking
3: about football. Yeah. I mean,
2: if Lemoyne wants to play us in three weeks, I would love that instead of Liberty. So bring it on, Lemoyne football. Yeah. If you don't exist, uh, put together a pickup team and let's have at it. <laughs> So, is anyone worried about
1: Duke? Does anyone have any serious concerns? I'm, at... I'm
3: worried about every game. I don't. I don't trust this team yet to be able to think that we should be favored in any game, even against 0-3 Oth- Duke. And even if we are favored, I'm I'm still worried because I don't think Duke is going to go winless. And we are a, And this, they might get up for this game thinking this is our chance to win a game. So I, I, mean, I do think there is going to be constant cause for concern. But with that, I do want to ask: What are our updated expectations for this team? Is it still five and six across the board? With my hope for a six and five, is it four and seven? Where are we at on expectations? All right. So let's let's go down the
1: line. Right now, we are we are one one and two. Yeah. So I'm gonna say we beat Duke. We beat Liberty to mm-hmm. be at three and two. Then we have Clemson. Um, so that puts that 500. We're going to pound
2: them. So that's four.
1: Yep. So
0: easy
2: win.
1: Say we're 500 coming out of the Clemson game. I I think that's, that's fair. Then we play wake. Uh, wake is a toss up that I would put at slightly below 50% that we win. I think even though it's wakes a better team than us, but it's a home game for us. I think that helps. So, uh, let's say that we lose to wake. We beat boston college we beat louisville because they probably won't have their starting quarterback anymore and then i'll say we beat nc state and lose to notre dame that's a pretty optimistic run so yeah. what, what does that put us at so six and five instead of five and six. man it's hard this i think it's going to depend on that wake game obviously if Louisville's at full strength I, did anyone see what ended up happening to their quarterback is he okay i know he got carted off the field and it looked bad so pending what what his status is by the time we play them, I think without him we have a chance to beat Louisville. Um, and I think the Wake game is a pretty big toss-up. So I think that's that's where I'm looking to to decide whether we go five and six or six and five.
2: So Malik Cunningham is good to go. Okay, uh, according so to the interwebs.
1: So let, I'll I'll go on the record. I'll I'll call the Wake Forest game a win at home, and I say we lose to Louisville and beat NC State, beat Boston College, lose Notre Dame. So I guess I'm flipping to be a little more optimistic at six and five, but I won't be shocked at five and six or worse.
3: Welcome to Team Happy.
1: No, I'm just setting myself to be more disappointed when it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. Um, I think that the last three games are automatic losses. NC State, they're bad. Dude, I have seen it too many times where we just always fail at NC State. I just, I just don't have faith that we can beat them. I just really don't. Until I see it, I just don't have faith.
2: So- well, I think this year also doesn't – this year doesn't apply um, to the normal considerations. Of, We're yeah, beating got- Notre Dame.
1: You, Kevin said it first. Mm-hmm. We're beating Notre you Dame. You've got
2: to get to six wins. You've got to get to six wins. you got to six wins. You gotta get to six wins. Why do you have to get to six wins this year? There's no stake. There really isn't the We want to say, be winners, you want to and win
3: record says you are. And if your record says you're a loser, then you're a loser.
2: Well, I don't know. Um, I think that primarily that is the reason we'll win six games this year because it doesn't count and it doesn't matter. Bull eligibility is a joke. I mean, yeah, we're gonna win six games. I think. I think if we play Liberty, we'll go six and five. If we play, if we don't play Liberty, we'll go five and five. Uh, although we we not them should count as a victory, so that we'd be six and five anyway. I'll yeah, uh, On paper, on paper, we we win the we win the home games, we lose the away games. I think that's what what you know. I've been thinking since the beginning. Um, the every home game seems winnable, and our road games just seem overly brutal this year. I think it's a little, a little bit exaggerated from where it typically is. I would do
3: anything I'd, I'd lose out if we beat notre dame like <laughs> if we beat notre dame that would make my year if we beat notre dame i think matt might just explode in joy yeah i think so i don't
1: want to i don't want matt to explode it with joy on the podcast
2: well uh, it sounds <laughs> like he exploded with joy the other day on the golf course he went out of his way to text us that he shot an 88 that's true <laughs> <laughs> so. okay. hashtag 2020 it's like, all right, glad to see you're using your time off the podcast really well. You know, like, I mean, you know, just really burning that midnight oil.
0: I mean, 88 is a good score, man.
2: It is a really good score. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, it's embarrassing uh, that I even, he like agrees to play golf with me because I, I, I think the, the gap is slowly widening and he seems to be
3: getting better and uh, I might be even getting worse. I, I want to I point out one thing. Unlike some people on this podcast, I'm sticking with my prediction of six and five, and I'm not going to go back and change things up just because I saw three football games. So I'm I- I'm proud of my six and five. I'm glad you guys are moving over, and I'm glad that we can all be wrong together. I'm not changing my thoughts based on what has actually happened. <laughs> then why? Then then why'd you go from five and six to six and five? It's all about feeling. I was being facetious to make fun of you. There we go. Um
0: I actually do have a question for you guys which is uh what do you think of the uh, dome? Do you think that it's worth the money we put into it?
2: Is, is it just me or did they not put in chairs as we thought or is that going to happen in a later time because it looks that's like, in a, like that's in a
1: different dome. phase. I think the next okay. phase is going to be getting rid of the aluminum uh for the seats and putting yeah. I think actual uh Bathroom facilities for
3: men in the in the Carrier Dome. You can't get rid of the troughs. Save the trough. Uh, they're going to save
0: the trough.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm absolutely behind the save the trough movement. Yep,
1: absolutely, I agree. Hey, yeah, it's it's troughs. like they say in Ghostbusters: you don't cross the
2: streams. I'm I'm You've ready to get rid troughs. of. I'm ready to get rid of the troughs. I think it's weird. Nope, the troughs are one of the best things, if not the best thing, about the dome.
0: I no, the, the dome. absolute best thing about the dome is that there's alcohol there. But the second best thing is the troughs.
3: Well I'm, I'm not I'm not in this club. There's a relationship between the selling of the alcohol and the troughs. You never have to wait. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to be more direct, you could just pour the alcohol directly
2: yeah, into the trough. But
1: imagine if they were fans at the games this year. I saw a photo of the bathrooms that they were still the same. And they were prepared with, like, socially distanced six feet signs at the troughs in the men's room. Like, yeah, good luck with that if you ever let people in this place.
3: Oh, See, uh, uh, Colin, yeah. as someone who is not actively paying tuition, I want to think that it's not my money that they're getting, even though I'm still – indirectly oh, yeah. paying, so do whatever they want make it beautiful but i mean there's no way to tell based on a, a television broadcast once things get back to normal hoping that that does happen at some juncture in our lifetimes um, I, I'll, I'll know when i walk in i mean the outside looks different that's the you oh know. you mean the roof yeah 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 so you know
1: they kind of kept it, the it, bubble look while having it be a suspension structure
3: yeah, I mean, it, it looks like the in-game experience will be a little bit better with the scoreboard and the lights. The lights, were the lights are awesome. Instead yeah, of those yeah. like
1: fluorescent-y, basement-y lights, they actually are LEDs that can change on command. Apparently, again, like Brett said, it's hard to tell based off the broadcast. The reporters were saying that the light show for a touchdown is awesome. It like flashes orange and blue and you actually changes the color of the dome itself. But forgive yeah. me if I don't want Carl from Manlius breathing over my shoulder when I'm <laughs> here. Look,
3: Carl from Manlius didn't do anything to you. He was—he didn't sneak a peek. He was perfectly fine. You're just paranoid. How do you know? Because he wasn't carrying a, a freaking telescope in his pocket. He was just happy to see you. Wow. Uncalled for. Definitely. This is why we miss it, Matt. Matt keeps it yeah. friendly.
2: Did You all noticed during the broadcast on saturday that the one of the, i don't know one of the guys he completely missed on what the dome actually is because he kept saying that when you go to the dome it's an unforgettable experience because you get sucked up into it yeah. <laughs> no, no 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 you get blown out of it because that's how domes work <laughs> that know, was that.
1: that was another weird thing. Is I saw pictures of those swinging doors were just open during the game. Those it's doors yeah, just casually yeah. open. Mm-hmm. Kind of loses. Um, well, remember last time we were there, we, we like had a big dramatic exit where we went out the fire exit and got blown out the door, and and we were. Like, I don't oh, remember last the last we,
0: game that we saw there. Last
1: time we're doing that, it was when we were there in February, end of February. Yeah, for the the, basketball game.
2: The saddest. Oh. Uh, you know, because, like, they beat UNC a month later, but they couldn't manage to do that at home, you know, when we were all there. Yes. Well, the right. last experience we were all going to have before the pandemic. Like, you know, they couldn't have just put a W up on the board, you know, just for us. You know.
0: No, of course not, man. It feels just like the uh, uh, Otto Porter game. Ugh.
1: That was the saddest no, I think I've ever been in that building.
3: Port. The mm-hmm. Otto Porter game was – one of my worst dumb experiences. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Sorry to bring the all down.
2: Yeah. Uh, can we put thirty seconds on the clock and have the local Bills fan and Rams fan uh, recap a quick, a quick little dealio about what happened on Sunday? Because that, that game seemed very. I don't know. I, I thought I don't, there had what made Brett mad this week written all over it, but it turned out that it was. All I don't right
1: think. Right. I don't think there's that. It's that complicated the Rams played like shit in the first half they made some adjustments they made a big comeback and they fell just short on a makeup call because there was a terrible call earlier in the game that went in their favor and the you know it I don't think it was pass interference I think when I texted Brett about it he said it was illegal contact and I think in a different situation yes you throw the flag for illegal con- it was a lot of hand checking and and it was just after the five yard mark. I don't think you can throw that flag in that situation, unless you know it's a makeup call. Oh.
3: So I, I think you have to throw the flag in that situation oh. because um, for pass I interference
1: mean, for for defensive pass interference. So
3: so what I learned after I texted you is that you can't throw a flag for illegal contact there because the ball was in the air, mm. and that's where illegal contact automatically becomes pass interference. He clearly interfered with him. It was well past the five yards, and he was trying to cut in and couldn't. Now, the, the only issue is whether or not the ball was catchable, but the wide receiver was unable to run his route because of the defensive back.
1: I would argue uh, that after five yards, the the receiver initiated more of the contact.
3: It was, I, I would, I, it was I,
1: relatively mutual, but and I am nothing but consistent. I hate when calls like that decide games. And earlier in the season, the Rams won a game against the Cowboys because they called the Cowboys for a weak offensive pass interference call, and I didn't like that flag either. I just i, I hate when plays like that are determined. I don't think it was egregious enough to decide the game over it.
3: Well, I, I mean, the, the, the problem is I, I think you have to call the fourth quarter the exact same as you call the first quarter. You have to do it and that's a flag you throw in the first quarter. You're right. It sucks that that's how the game was decided because it was too – actually, I don't even know if it was a good game because it was a good game for Buffalo in the first half and generally speaking a good game for the Rams in the second half. But uh, until like the the last drive, there wasn't – it wasn't back and forth and it was just kind of – it was probably miserable for you to watch the first half, miserable for me to watch the second half. But what did jump out at me is Aaron Donald – is still just as good as Man's a beast. The man is a beast. I, I remember when Pitt came to the dome his last year in college and I didn't know his name, although I should have because he was already in the national conversation.
1: At the time and he was clearly after, like he, he was clearly an elite college player, but nothing like, right. like being the best defensive tackle in the NFL, one of the best ever. Like he didn't look like that in college.
0: Looking, like like undersized,
3: I, I very he good lineman, and and I forget if it was my senior year or the year after, so I I don't know who the quarterback was whether it was Nasib or Dungy. and I just went and I I said it out loud, a defensive lineman should not be able to move that fast, and he's just continued to terrorize, and he I don't think he put up the numbers on Sunday to to. To make it look like he was terrorizing Josh Allen, well, but he's always, he, he he's always there. He's always there,
1: yep. and and uh, against a quarterback that mobile and that aware in the pocket, it's very impressive that he was in 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 the area that often because it's not easy to stay near Josh Allen.
0: He reminds me yeah. very much of watching a like Chandler Jones in the film, the like quick off the line back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. chandler
1: jones is another guy who's a better nfl player than he ever was a college player he's probably he's probably a hall of famer and in in college we were like oh look at the sack numbers look where he already is on the sack leaderboard in nfl history if he keeps Um, on going sure yeah but we didn't look at him as a pro bowler when he was in college we were like that dude has a shot to play on sundays but we were never like there's a pro bowler yeah absolutely Except the one Chandler Jones moment that stands out for me was at Heinz Field. You know, one of those terrible Heinz Field games where you perpetually think you have a chance because we're not getting blown out and it's just an (laughs) ugly slog of a game and we're always one play away, but that play never comes. Well, I thought that play came because Chandler Jones just jumped up and intercepted a ball at the line of scrimmage and returned it just short of a touchdown. But if he have completed the pick six, we would have been back in the game. It was a crazy play.
2: Yeah, um, to bridge these two conversations, and I know we talked about this the other day, but I just want to give a shout out to Alton Robinson for the, yes. you know, not game winning sack, but probably game ceiling sack um, over over Dallas, which I appreciate because I hate the Cowboys and my crappy to extremely crappy NFL team is still in the running because is it time to You're bench like, once? It's a bunch of crap. Um, it's just a your
3: freaking football team hard. cost me money. But, like, but but Yeah, that was that was bad. But, our eliminator pool got cut but, in half because you let yeah. the Washington football team. I don't know. You were thinking, thinking
2: putting money on the Eagles to, or at least putting your bet on the Eagles to, to beat the Bengals outright. Neither of those teams deserved to win that game. Um, and neither did. But 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 Alton Robinson, man, that was that was a clutch sack right there at the end of the game. And, you know, I was uh, I don't know, I, maybe I'm going to be a, a closet Seahawks fan this year just because, um, you know, we have so few players in the NFL and you got to love it when you see it.
1: Yeah, I think it, at that point, it's also important to note that Sterling Hoff Richter is also killing it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah that's also true.
3: We we are a, a, a school for punters. Yes, we are. Yeah.
1: Riley Dixon is uh not not as good as Hoffrichter, um but, but he's still, pretty good. Yeah. Colin, you have you been watching the games? I know they're pretty bad so it might be tough to watch. Which ones? The Giants? Are
0: you are you are you Giants fan? Oh or Jets my fan? God, no, absolutely. Um, I am a uh, Jets fan, unfortunately. Uh, but no, I I sadly fell into the uh, Daniel Jones is going to be a good fantasy player this year, um, and <sighs> that has turned out to be the opposite of the actual truth. Um, no, uh, the Giants were borderline unwatchable. Um, Riley Dixon plays a lot. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I mean, that is the one nice thing. put him in a quarterback. I really wish that uh, Nassib was still the backup on that team, um, but I wish him well in – I think he's playing in Canada now or something like that. Um, Speaking
3: of punters, yeah. the Georgia Tech punter – he was awesome. I love yeah. that kid. Yeah, it was a 72-yard punt. Yeah. yeah. And a that lot of it was
1: like legit air. I mean, it had a great bounce, but a lot of it was legit airtime too. No, he
3: put a – I mean, he has a lot of leg clearly, but he put a lot of leg into that.
1: Yeah. He's not built for the trick play though. He was very slow and cumbersome.
0: Yeah, I would yeah. not say that he is a, uh, a quick gentleman. He is a strong gentleman. I I don't know if I would say he's quick or, you know,
3: yeah, nimble. but if if you can boot it sixty yards in the air, which I think that punt it, it almost went sixty, then it doesn't matter if you're quick or not. You might see yourself on Sundays. Oh, yeah, for sure. But
1: let me just say, if uh, if he asked for my lunch, I would say, "Hope you like Dunkaroos." Here you go.
3: <laughs> if he asked for my, well, if he asked for my lunch, I might try and run away and see what happens.
1: Mm, okay, but I think that, that would joke. be uh, a right. mistake. We're gonna edit that out because even though that dude looks big and slow for a football player, he's still
0: faster than you. He's gonna find you and beat the shit. Out of you.
3: <laughs> and I would deserve it completely and entirely. All right. Well, I think that's the note that we should end it on. <laughs> um, me getting uh, justifiably beat up because how else should a podcast end? If you have the 1990 lacrosse championship trophy, please tweet at us at 3 Pod or send us a Facebook message if that's your thing and let us know that it's safe. We care about it deeply. For Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe, Colin Lerner, I'm Brett Fordham. Thanks for spending some time with us this week and we hope to be back next week. <laughs>